All right, you all, we're finally there. We're the final sphere of heaven in Dante's Paradiso. We're at the final three cantos of the Divine Comedy, 97, 98, 99, 100. Sounds like four. I suppose it technically is four. Cantos 30, 31, 32, and 33. And so if we look at this initial image of the Empyrean, I think this gives you a good idea of what it is. These sort of crazy-looking shield circles Below are all the spheres of heaven. In the very middle of them is earth, because they all the spheres of heaven circle around earth. That which you see above is a two-dimensional reflection of all that exists. So what that means is that the Empyrean is something that is impossible to see with your own eyes, but something you can see with intellectual sight that is a reflection of all things that exist. So it's almost as if what the Empyrean is, or all the laws of the universe, we would call them the laws of nature, Dante would call them the laws of God. And so what the Empyrean is, is not its own separate sphere at all, but all the universe together combined, seen in the way that not man would see it, but who? God. All things seen at once, all space and all time. All together, because if you think about it, all the spheres of heaven are represented in the Empyrean, but also earth. And what is also on earth? What mountain for Dante? Purgatory, so where the souls that have died who are going to go to heaven are. But also what is underneath the earth for Dante? Hell, and that's where all the souls that have done ill or sinned or not turned towards the light, turned towards self-reflection are. So all those who have ever existed exist within the Empyrean. All those who currently exist on earth exist within the Empyrean. And all those who will at some point exist, exist within the Empyrean. So literally all space and time exist within the Empyrean. And the Empyrean is the mind of God for Dante. And so we must explore that today. But apparently we've been exploring that all along. Huh. Alright, so Dante marvels at how far and how fast his attention can range, and how far he has come. Big fact you need from this slide is, he considers the world below, which is now 6,000 miles away. He's really up in the air. He's really far out, dude, which is what that expression means when a hippie or surfer says it. When you're far out, you're, you're in space. You're out in left field. You've really uh, gotten high above your usual self, your perspective is elevated. And so his perspective is as elevated as it possibly can be. He's as far away from a mundane or human perspective as he can possibly be. His perspective is as divine as it can be. In fact, it's above even the prima mobile, which is the perspective of the angel. So he is now going to share in the perspective of that which is beyond an angel, that which is more super substantial, that which is divine. And so, hmm, I don't need you to really write anything else that's on here. It's a whole bunch of extra stuff. In any case, the quote I want you to focus on is, and which seems embraced by what itself embraces. That means that the Empyrean is itself all that is. All that we have seen so far is all part of the Empyrean. All right, so again, what happens every time we get to a new sphere of heaven? Who gets more beautiful? Beatrice. And now, whoa, Dante is defeated by the essence of Beatrice's beauty. 
his trumpet, his mouth, his pen, his quill, technically, will be incapable of expressing to us the beauty of her. We will have to see her for ourselves. We will have to see our own goals realized in order to understand the beauty of that which he is understanding, which is very fascinating because even as he is writing these cantos, is he not himself realizing his life goal of writing a great epic poet, poem? A great epic poem, perhaps even greater than Virgil's, which I have the honor of teaching today as well. And I suppose I'll have to make some comments foreshadowing Dante to those students and say, just as you will be with Virgil and he will disappear from you, so will Virgil disappear from Dante as Dante becomes the master himself for us and for others. And so we have now emerged from the largest body to the heaven of simply light. Remember that light is always a metaphor for intelligence or consciousness or that which is intangible in this world. Remember that uh, that which is not light, that which obscures, that which is material, darkens and can be cause for sin. But now we are in a place without error, without sin, without, uh, <clears throat> without anything that impedes your sight. In fact, that will be something directly said by Dante. Even though things can span great distances within the Empyrean, all things are clear. So if you're 10,000 miles away from him, he can see you just like you're five feet away from him. If you're a tiny little microscopic bacteria that's impossible to see with a regular eye, he can see it just clearly. All things are clear within the Empyrean. Very interesting. All right, cool. Some descriptions of the Empyrean. I want you to look at these metaphorically, literarily. Intellectual life, full of love, Love of the true good, full of happiness. You see equality there between truth, love, and happiness. And fullness, plenitude here. Everything is here. This is literally where everything is because this is the entirety of the cosmos and the laws that govern it. Happiness, which transcends any sweetness. I like that expression too because it makes me think that this is the sort of happiness that is above even pleasure above even pleasure. Because as we know, pleasure can also be not just good, but also what? Bad, Bad sinful. <laughs> sinful as well. Francesca is an excellent example of that. I would not say that her love was intellectual love with any of you. No, no, even though she was reading a book. All right, and now he sees these two battalions of people in heaven. So, those are two groups. You need to know these two groups. They are those who came before Christ and those who came after. And it's as simple as that. And there will be a further subdivision within them of girls and guys. Uh, those who produce uh, great people and those who pr produce great traditions. Because, of course, women can produce life. Men cannot do the same. Men can produce uh, great followings. Though. So we'll see people like St. John there. We'll see Adam. People who started new traditions. Okay, good, 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 good. So did living light so shine about me and left me wrapped in such a veil of glory that nothing was visible to me. So he loses his physical sight again. He will not really need that. So he is welcomed. The love which makes this heaven quiet welcomes newcomers with a salutation like this to make the candle ready for the flame. These brief words had no sooner entered me than I became aware of my faculties had acquired more than their usual power. So now his eyes are uh, sort of like Diomedes in Book 5 of the Iliad. Why am I thinking of Diomedes from Book 5 of the Iliad? What was done to his eyes by Athena in that moment? It's a very similar phenomenon to what's happening here, yes? They were open so he could see the gods. They were open so he could see the gods. That's exactly right. This is very similar. Uh, the idea here is that now his eyes 
are going to be empowered by the divine light so that he can see more than he could normally see. And in fact, he will literally drink from a river of light up here, a river very similar to the rivers Unoe and Lethe at the top of terrestrial paradise, at the top of purgatory. And uh, then he will see things in a way he has never seen things before. One things that he once thought as straight, like time, linear, like a line, he will then see a circular, all as one. Very interesting. Very interesting. In fact, that's a very famous way to look at time. People argue all the time, even physicists, sometimes philosophers, sometimes theologians, is time cyclical, sort of like how we represent it on clocks, or is time linear? Things do seem to go in cycles. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. The moon. In fact, when, when you get sort of weird ideas in your head, what do your parents say you're going through? No. A phase. A phase. Just like the moon goes through phases every month in a cyclical pattern. Very interesting. Very interesting. The... Good, 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 good. Okay, so Dante sees a river of light. Know about this river of light. And I saw light. In the form of a stream of resplendent brilliance. All these, these words make me think of gold, and light, and stars, and beautiful jewelry. Which is what we love about jewelry. The fact that it what? Shines. Exactly right. Exactly right. And I'm told that diamonds shine like nothing else. I recently went to a Cartier store. I did not buy anything there. I don't. If you ever have a boyfriend or a girlfriend who really loves jewelry, do not take them to a Cartier store. Uh, do you know why you never take someone you love to a jewelry store? You don't want them to get their heart attached to something you can't afford. And, uh, but I looked at the diamonds, and my goodness, I'm not a jewelry wearer, but they really do shine beautifully. Anybody ever seen a diamond before and looked at it and how it shines? Nothing shines like a diamond. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I'm not even a diamond salesperson. In any case, and I saw light in the form of a stream of resplendent brilliance in between two banks painted with all the marvels of the spring. All right, good. That's all I want you to say about that. I have some ideas on what that could mean, but it is a river of light, intellectual light, a river that we must drink from with our eyes. He will drink with his eyes. In fact, a little spark will pop out into his eyes, and then his eyes will be opened, and he will see more. What sort of, what sort of water, what sort of light do you drink with your eyes? I don't know. I don't know. I think, well, certainly not physical water, that's for sure. And when you put something in your eyes that's physical, what happens to your ability to see? Yeah, it blinds you. But this will, opposite of blind him, it will envision him, illuminate him. There we go. There's a good word. Here's a picture by William Blake of the River of Light. I know, everything's looking very ghostly up here. It's like we're in the mind, of course. And if you ever think about how you think about things, imagine like someone you really love or someone you think is beautiful or something like that. When you actually see them, they're embodied. But when you see them in your mind, I think it is far more like this. I like the idea of how we represent uh, ghosts or memories as translucent or transparent. Because that does seem to be what it's like when you envision something in your head. Try it now. Try it now. Good. From this river issued live sparks, which everywhere, so imagine a jewelry store full of diamonds and light everywhere. That is the idea here. Which everywhere settled themselves in the flowers like rubies, which have been set in gold. Good. Good, 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 good. Ah, yes, I'll just say some things. Uh, the live sparks seem to be true thoughts, which settle themselves into flowers. What are the flowers? Well, the flowers seem to be minds that are receptive of the true 
thoughts, because where does truth exist in this world? In our minds, in human minds, that's certainly right. Not, in, not on a giraffe's tongue, not on the tip of a rhino's horn, in the minds of humans. Without humans, there is no truth. That's quite right. That's quite right. And a ruby set in gold increases the divine gold's value by allowing light to pass through it. It's funny, because we even have golden rings with gems on them. And with the light that passes through those gems, the value of the ring goes up or goes down. Goes up, right, exactly. If you ever uh, get into buying uh, wedding bands, a wedding band costs like 200 bucks. A lot of money in some ways, not as much money as like a $5,000 diamond ring. So it's like, wow, that's interesting. It's almost like you as a human have tremendous value. But the more what you have, the more value you can attain to others because of your ability to transmit it. Knowledge. Knowledge, truth, information, that's quite right. The more information you allow to pass through you, the more you can offer to others. Sounds right, sounds right. You will have to drink of this water before this thirst of yours is satisfied to know what it is you are seeing. So Dante's going to have to drink from this river with his eyes, know these truths in order to see things in the way the divine can. It's almost as if this is the idea behind education. You start yourself as a very simple sort of human. You dress like a princess, you dress like a knight, you walk around and you play out these ideas, but you don't understand what they mean. But by the end of your education, the idea is that you will have received all the information or as much of the information possible from your teachers, from the masters of knowledge from whom you receive the information that you believe to be true, which is often true and we hope is always true. But when you've received that information yourself, you are no longer a child. You are no longer a student, but you are yourself the one. The teacher or the master, because your perspective has what? Has risen. You have achieved a higher perspective, so now you see things in a new, a new light, from a new perspective, from a new vantage point. Quite right, quite right. All right. The river and the topazes which enter and fly out, and the smiling grass are shadowy prefaces of their reality. I make some comments here about that being like Plato's cave. If you really think about it, what is it here? It's like this river of light is a representation of something which is actually real. Interesting. But, not that they are themselves unripe things. The defect that is there is in yourself whose sight is not yet equal to such things. So the reason we cannot yet understand that which the light represents is because we are uh, obscured by matter ourselves. We are not ourselves just pure minds capable of understanding pure concepts. We, you know, have our desires, we have our weaknesses, we get tired, we get bored. It's not easy for us to understand things at all times. Good. Uh, do I have it here? All right. Dante rushes to make more perfect mirrors of his eyes to mirror reality as it truly is and has some light from this river of light pop into his eyes. Boom. He then perceives the river as circular rather than as a line. He sees it not as something going on forever, the ends of which he cannot see, which is the idea of a line but it's something which is a bounded whole. He sees how everything in the universe, in the entire cosmos, fits together all at once, 
which is truly the goal of education. We haven't gotten there yet. We're trying to get there always. We're trying to understand things. I mean, we even have a super collider of, I believe, heavy ions in Bern, Switzerland, where we're trying to recreate the conditions at the beginning of the universe. Are we hungry and thirsty for knowledge at all times as humans? Yes, we are information gatherers. Just as bees want nectar out from, uh, or, or pollen rather, pollen or nectar, whatever it is they want from, from flowers, we want information. We are thirsty for it at all times. At all times. Except for when we're really tired. Even then, then we want sleep. All right. Dante then sees the truth clearer ever than as before. He sees both unity and plurality joined together, like three circles joined together. On the one hand, they're one, because they are joined in a chain. On the other hand, they are three, because they are three differing, distinct circles. That will be important when we get to the very end of things here and talk about the Trinity, how two and one can actually be one, actually how three and one can be one. How a great chain of being forms one thing, and yet each part of it is distinct and of itself. Sort of like the numbers on a clock, if you think about it. They're all parts of the day, but they are their own parts, or your own articulated parts of your body. Your fingers, your toes, your ears, all parts of you. Yet, are they all the same? They're very distinct, and if you were to be missing any of them, would you be missing them? Yes, you certainly would. You certainly would. And so, Dante now sees heaven, the Paradiso, in a way he has never seen it before. It appears to him like a celestial rose. He describes it as two armies. The armies of those who came before uh, zero CE, uh, the time before Jesus, the time before the coming of Christianity, and the time after. We, we have seen this concept before when we talked about those people who were put in hell before the gates of heaven were opened by Jesus and the keys of heaven given to Peter. Uh, and anybody remember who the first person from the Old Testament who was locked in hell was and ended up got getting put in heaven? Yes? We have the prostitute of Jericho. Very good, very good. And so we see the tears of these two armies of heaven in the golden, sempiternal rose which houses the so-called elect, that means chosen, of God. My goodness. And it is reflected from the top of the primum mobile, the crystalline heaven, like seeing a rainbow reflected off a prism. And so we see the reflection. We're looking at the primum mobile. Remember, it's clear, like a prism or a diamond. And off it, we see a reflection of all that is. But something Dante will say here is a true reflection of something is just as true as the thing itself. Kind of like when you look in a what? A mirror. Quite right. Quite right. All right. Very good. So now we see things as they truly are. Cool. This is a uh, very prosaic image of the Trinity. You can see Dante with Beatrice there to the left. And then you see the souls acting like bees going into the flowers, sniffing the flowers, receiving the nectar information from them so that they can go about to each other. In fact, a metaphor that will be made here is that at some times the souls are the bees, at some times they're the flowers. What is it that they share with each other in this heaven? Information It's like they have a divine seminar. At all times. Now you see why we do seminars and how why we sit in a circle and not in a line. Ah, very clever, very clever. All right, Beatrice shows off the celestial city, the celestial rose, the two armies of heaven to 
Dante. The souls, they're clothed in white. I have angels up there. There are no angels up there. They're in the prima mobile. These souls are pure and unmixed with matter. We see in 30, 127 to 129. It means the accidents, the material, the mistakes of life are removed. Things go right here. It's almost like in a story, you know? In a good story, nothing irrelevant is there. Only the things that matter are there. And that's, in fact, what supposedly makes great literature. I would say that I agree with that analysis. And we see a seat with a crown above it that is reserved for a certain king. You need to know this king. This is King Henry VII. It's a very sad story about him. I won't tell you too much. You can read the notes in the back if you want to. But Dante had hoped that this man would invade Florence and restore Dante back there. Unfortunately, Don, uh, King Henry VII, on campaign died under uh, strange, uh, either strange or unnatural causes or unknown causes one year into his campaign, and with his death died Dante's hopes of ever returning to Florence. Very sad. Very sad. He's contrasted with Clement V, who will be unfair, but will die early in office. Dante seems to believe that this is uh, a version of divine justice. And in case you need to know about Henry VII, don't worry so much about Clement V. Alright. Canto 31. We're making good time. In the form, then, of a shining white rose. Make sure you pay attention to these quotes. All these quotes might appear soon. The holy army of those whom, in his blood, Christ made his spouse. These people were part of the church. Remember the, the bridegroom or the spouse of Christ is supposedly the church. Remember the griffin and the chariot from the top of terrestrial paradise, purgatory, made its appearance to me. So we've seen things as they are. But the other army, which as it flies, sees and sings the glory of him who fills them with his love and the goodness which made them as they are, like a swarm of bees landing upon flowers at one moment and then at once returning to where its work is turned into sweetness, descended into that great flower, which is dressed in so many petals and then rose up again to where their love lies eternally. So, this is the celestial rose, also described as the celestial city. Very similar to a concept from the Wizard of Oz. What's the name of that divine city through which all light can pass where a figure of God called a wizard is? It's the Emerald City. Emerald, green, like which theological virtue? Hope. Where somebody with ruby red slippers goes. Red, like what? Love. And which light can pass through. Emerald, right? It's a figure of the mind. It's a figure of heaven. It's a beautiful sort of place. Aren't you starting to see how all literature embodies similar archetypes here? Very good, very good. In any case, this celestial rose or city is all white, also described as gold. So white and gold. Very heavenly. Two tiers. Those who came before Christ. Those who came after. Cool. Ah, uh, alright, alright, alright. Do I need you to see it? So, so, yes, yes, yes. Yes, I explained all of this. Yes, 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 yes. Alright. Alright. As we know, if we are going to get to where we go, we have to get there ourselves. Dante had a guide through all of the Inferno. Through almost all of the Purgatorio, his name was Virgil. He had to disappear. Dante had to go on on his own. He had to go on and form his own vision of himself. Through what we said was Beatrice. Beatrice, however, must give way herself 
to a new guide, a St. Bernard, an old, wise man. You might say that the old, wise man Bernard is like Dante's fully developed vision of himself. Because if you consider Dante, he's a man. But he's sort of a middle-aged man when he goes on this journey. But if he's going to become who he is, he has to look towards the what? The future. And in the future, he will be what? Older and more accomplished. And the person who will represent that will be St. Bernard of Clairvaux. So, Dante perceives the Trinity. We won't talk it about uh, that too much too soon. But I want you to think about how momentous this moment is. Because he describes it as similar to the feeling of the barbarians, the Germans, who had lived in the woods and had never seen much more than huts before, when they stood in amazement and saw the monuments of Rome. Imagine living in the woods or by the beach and never having seen a building and then seeing New York City. What are those giant things that look like titans all over New York? Skyscrapers. And seeing that man like, Oh my goodness, have any of you ever been to New York City? You might have this feeling just going there at some point. It is a tremendous city. It is truly a metropolis. In any case, he is looking with great wonder at these things he thought were impossible or beyond his understanding. <laughs> yes, I've seen the magnitude and the majesty of the divine mystery, which, I mean, what's... <laughs> What is more awe-inspiring than how everything works and fits together? Dante is refreshed immediately. He tries to commit all of this to memory and uh, then bewails, of course, the, the inability of him to describe that which is immortal and eternal and unbounded in his bounded words and keep it in his bounded material memory. He's not going to be able to tell us exactly what it is that he saw. And so he proceeds a hierarchy. Which is interesting there. I make some comments about dominance hierarchies that are not really relevant here. And so Dante turns to talk to Beatrice. He see thing, sees things finally clearly as they truly are. He wants to share that with someone. Of course. But Beatrice is not there. I intended one thing, but what happened was different. Apparently, not all things are quite clear to him yet. And who does he see? Bernard. Who is like the old wise man archetype, and I throw some examples up there. Those of you who like Lord of the Rings, that's Gandalf. Those of you who like Harry Potter, that's who? Dumbledore, that's right. Those of you who like X-Men, is that Magneto? No, it's Professor X. The guy who moves things with his what? And can see into your what? That's right, that's right. Very good. Now that Beatrice, wisdom, has developed Dante to his highest extent, his goal, his aim becomes clear enough to show him his ultimate goal, to himself embody wisdom in the world, to himself be a guide to others, to himself guide himself so that others might do what? Follow what? Follow their own destinies. Follow their own destinies. Good. Because, and Bernard is a good example for this, because in this way he is both the past and the future. He's the past in that he was himself the person who died and lived his own life, but he's a good example of the future in that he represents what Dante could himself one day be. It's sort of like your teachers. In a way, we are the past, because we've already been young, like you were. And we've already lived our life. 
But in a way, we're also the future because we can show you what you can what? What you can do and what you can be yourselves. That's right. Very good. Very good, very good, very good. All right, another image of the Trinity here. Very interesting one. Just to give you some knowledge about how things work here, we have Dante, we have Bernard. It even says that here, SB, or what? St. Bernard. Bernard, like the dog. Very good. Name Beethoven. Uh, we have a dove up there. That is the third part of the Holy Trinity called Spirit. the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, right. Uh, it comes. The dove was originally the animal of which Greek goddess? Not Athena, she had the owl. Aphrodite, love, connection, that which connects all things together. You have the father up here, you have the son, and then you have a lady. Who's the lady? Mary. Very good. And we will see Mary up here soon, too. And we will see Eve at her feet, and we will see the angel Gabriel swirling about her head. Uh, and then we're going to have to move really fast because we're going to run out of time. Because, well, time is infinite up there, but down here it's very much bounded. All right, Dante demands to know what happened to Beatrice. And Bernard responds, It was for your final satisfaction that Beatrice asked me to leave my place. Beatrice has pulled Dante towards his ideal until he could see it for himself. Now he no longer needs Beatrice. Just as Virgil guided him with his wisdom until his own wisdom, Beatrice, could guide himself. This is very much like the relationship between Telemachus and Athena, like Odysseus and Athena. Which is interesting, because Athena seems so much not present in Odysseus' life during the Odyssey, but so much present in Telemachus's. Hmm. <laughs> but we do see Beatrice again. She's just taken her rightful place in heaven. She's far away at the top of the sky, as far from uh, the top of the sky as from the bottom of the seat. She's very far away, and yet we see her very clearly. And yet, like Athena, can move immediately. Dante thanks Beatrice for taking him from slavery to liberation. It's almost like wisdom or knowledge that you what? That you free so that you can make your own what for yourself. Your own choices. That's quite right. Because as we know for Dante, the highest value of a human is the freedom of the, the will. Your mind, your mind must see clearly for your will to will freely. Very good. Very good. Dante's wisdom is so sharpened his sight, that he may now freely pursue his ideals. He can see things as they are. This is a picture of St. Bernard. Always notice with these saints, notice that quill in his hand, he's writing something that's a holy text, Where is he looking at some person? No, he's looking towards some what? Darkness or light? Some light. He's looking up. Which is like what we do when we're whatting. Thinking. Right, because the source of all light in this world is where? In our own... And our own minds, our own minds are what illuminate us. In fact, when you go to see a teacher, what are you hoping to benefit from them? What is it that they have and have access to that you can gain? Their brains, that's right. Their minds have information in them that you wish to gather so that you can have it for yourself. That's right. That's quite right. That's quite right. And that's what it means to look to the heavens. And, well, you know, Everything you look at in this world has information from which you can derive and process and then benefit from. And then transmit to others by means of writing or speaking. That's how crazy we are as humans. Much more sophisticated than dogs. Alright, continue your munificence to me so that my soul, which you have made whole, may please you when it is untied from my body. Alright, so he's saying, 
I need to understand these final mysteries so that when I write this stuff down, people can understand it because it makes sense. Great. Dante longingly studies. He's looking up at these hierarchies. He's looking at Mary. He's looking at Gabriel. He's looking soon at the Trinity. He's trying to understand what he sees so that he when, so that he can imprint it on his memory so that when he writes it down, he can shed some light on us. He does not assume that he understands. So, he directs his eyes to the Queen of Heaven. The Queen of Heaven is the Virgin Mary, the Mother of Jesus. Perhaps also Mother Nature in some ways of thinking. She's also the mother of the rational intellect, if you really think about it. Because where did the mind come from? Well, the mind came from man, or some human. Where do humans come from? They're mothers. So what are mothers mothers of? That which is called divine. That which is rationality. So it's very interesting. Which mothers, therefore, are divine? With humans. Every single one of them. Because what sort of babies do they have? Humans. And what do humans have? Intelligence, which we call divine. So who can birth divinity in this world? Any mother. <laughs> I know. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? So when your mom said that she was a holy vessel, she was right. She was right. Very good, very good, very good. All right, we've already seen that image. It's just made green now. All right, Dante looks at the zenith, the highest truth, like the sun at noon, which means it's very what? Right, yeah, think about looking at the sun at noon. What happens to your eyes? Ah, ah, blue, purpley splotches appear right there. And you look away and you think, why am I so dumb? Yes, yes, he sees his highest goal. He sees the highest aim. Good. Let's see, let's see, let's see. He sees each soul and each angel different but equally. They're revolving about. They're singing. They're playing games. Can you even imagine a heaven with such... Though, I, if I think about the two best things you can possibly do, it's interesting. When we think back to the Odyssey, when we think back to their um, mm, angelic sorts of people, one of the sorts of people that were not quite people in the Odyssey, eventually got hidden by Poseidon, had the power of thought that they could go from one place to another infinitely quickly, all within a day. They knew all places. They're very much themselves like angels. Well, who are these people? Were they called the Phaeacians? Something interesting. What are the two things they were good at doing? Shipbuilding and storytelling. Ah, ah, that's very close. They are good at shipbuilding and storytelling. Of course, they do have a fantastic storyteller te there, Demodocus. But what they're really good at is singing and dancing. That's what they say. They're good at feasting and dancing. Like having a feast for the eyes. Very interesting. It's like they have a primitive idea of heaven in ancient Greek. All things are a process, all things are a chain. Makes sense that the idea would not be quite as well developed as it is here. And Milton will have to see whether it gets even further developed. Hmm. Here's a picture of Phaethon. Remember, he's talking about he's similar to Phaethon or Phaethon, and that Phaethon was a son of the god of light, Apollo. He tried to steer the chariot of Apollo, didn't do a very good job of it. Supposedly Zeus can't even do that. Uh, almost got hit by the. <laughs> Almost got hit by both Scorpio and Draco, the constellations, and got fulminated by Zeus when he brought um, the sun too close to the earth. Supposedly that's also how the Ethiopians became dark, too. Burned their flesh. In any case, ah, yes, also like Icarus, very similar story in terms of meaning. Daedalus' sun. We can talk about that at some point. Ah, yes. A fall, a fall, a fall. It's almost like whenever you realize something, it's a holy moment 
but then you have to return back to where? Got to return back to Earth. And then you got to make your way back up again if you're going to learn. Yes, 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 yes. All right, Canto 32. Looking at the celestial court. We're making good time. Eve sits at Mary's feet. You need to know which people we see here. So, Eve is at Mary's feet, which means that Mary, the foundation of Mary, is Eve. Sort of like standing on the shoulders of giants is the idea we have from Einstein about what the process of science is. That is also Dante's idea about the process of history. You need the person who made the mistake in order to have the person who, what's the mistake? Fixes the mistake, right. Just as uh, Christ, or the second part of the Trinity, will be above Adam, so is Mary above Eve, because she's the one who has the child who fixes the problem that was caused by Eve and Adam in the first place. Good, 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 good. And in fact, that is directly how this is described by Dante. She, it says that Mary closed the wound that Eve opened. So the wound was, we realized there was a future, we realized that we had to suffer, that was a real bummer. Why do we live? Well, Mary gives us the what? The answer. The answer to the meaning of life. Because if you know you're going to suffer and die, you better have some what that makes life worth living. Goal, purpose, aim, meaning. Exactly. Exactly. Precisely. And that is the claim that Dante is making here. That you need to realize the one thing and then the other. The first thing causes you tremendous pain. The second thing, well, it gives you a reason to endure that pain. Sounds very strong to me. All right. Good. Then we see Rachel besides Beatrice. We see also a lineage of women. Sarah, Rebecca, Judith. She was the great-great-grandmother of King David. He was the eye of the eagle and the sixth spear. These are women who produced great men, who produced great traditions. And as I was saying earlier, man was the original art of woman because man comes from where? Woman. Right. No man without woman. Thus man produced art in the imitation of woman's production of man, which is interesting. Which is very interesting. It's like, what is Dante making here? Each of these women is described as a petal of the great rose. They're all part of one whole. They are a duality, or excuse me, a plurality that is part of a greater unity. Hmm, interesting. Like fingernails. Think Alright. Alright, we're going to keep moving. Good. Another image of the Empyrean being reflected off the prima mobile, that'll help, that'll help, good. There's another vision of the celestial rose, now it's golden. See all the layers, see how parts look distinct, but they're all part of one whole. See also how there's a pattern in there. Things are patterned after each other. Again, like the onion we were talking about. It's almost like you don't want to look for the truth just in the middle. The truth is the what? The whole thing taken as one. Hmm. There we go. There's another good one. This shows you all the people. You need to know if you need me to send you this image. I can't. Alright. And here's a William Blake image of the celestial rose. Of course he goes again for the translucency because these things shed light or let light through them. Hmm. Good. There's another weird image. Here's a nice image of the trinity. Trinity. Toss. Three syllables, of course, for three parts of one. Very clever. Unitas in the middle. Three and one all at once, singular and plural. Here's another interesting image by Joachim of Fiore of the Trinity. Uh, mm -hmm. Do I want to say anything more about this? No, I don't. All right. Now we see the men of the court, the producers of 
great traditions. And we're going to have to stop here, and then I'll spend like 15 minutes tomorrow talking about the Trinity, and then you'll get the rest of your work day to work on your art projects. We see John the Evangelist here. Remember, he's the guy who wrote, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's very interesting. We've analyzed what that means. We think we know what that means. We see Francis here. We see Benedict. We see Augustine. Remember St. Francis? We've talked about him. He was the beginner, or the beginner, the originator of the Franciscan order. Benedict of the Benedictine order. Augustine uh, was himself a Franciscan. Uh, not, and was a great philosopher himself. If you ever study, like, say, an early medieval philosophy class, you will read St. Augustine. Certainly you will read St. Augustine. And you'll probably end with Thomas Aquinas. And that is where we have to end today. Good work, y'all.